Today's show is all about death and taxes. Republicans have come to an agreement on the final tax reform bill, and there is a ton of fake news spreading about it so much. We will separate fact from fiction and go through the bill. Then on cultural death, we'll talk about racists, the ones who are still on Twitter, the ones who are purged from Twitter, and a glimmer of hope on identity politics from flamboyantly gay Italian fashion designers. Finally, on this day in history, slick Willie Bubba Clinton gets impeached. I'm Michael Knowles, and this is The Michael Knowles Show. There is so much fake news about this tax plan. Oh my goodness gracious. What do you know about the plan? Marsha, what have you heard about the plan? Nothing. You've heard nothing. Well, that's because you don't read the news. But, but what everyone else is hearing, if they're on Facebook or whatever, is that it raises taxes on everybody, right? Washington Post reports, why are Republicans raising taxes on millions of Americans? That's Washington Post. Democracy dies in darkness. Vox News reporting the same lies. Here's the headline they ran in November. Senate Republicans tax plan raises taxes on families earning less than $75,000. That's a total lie. Washington Post reported the same thing. Time Magazine, the same thing. Matt Iglesias, who wrote that piece for Vox, said, quote, For those of more modest means, the news is not so good. By 2027, after most of the individual cuts in the bill expire and the corporate cuts remain, households earning between $75,000 and $100,000 will see, on average, no tax cut. And households earning less than $75,000 will see on average, a tax increase. The shape is clear. Most people are paying higher taxes and the rich are paying less. This is a complete lie. This is a, a one. A, did you catch what happened in there? Did you catch what he said? After the tax plan goes into effect, and then in 2027, this will change. In 2027, he's predicting 10 years out, but he leaves that out of the headline. You don't want to include that in the headline. So they're saying that once we cut taxes now, and then if those cuts expire in 10 years, taxes will go up. Yes, that's right. When you cut taxes, and then if if 10 years later, they don't make those tax cuts permanent or they go or they raise taxes, then taxes will go up. But taxes don't go up now. They are cut now. <laughs> they, it is true. We could say that any tax cut is really a tax raise. If someone, you know, any declaration of war is really a, a declaration of armistice. Any right? It, it, it will happen at a future point. We just don't. We just can't quite say when. Virtually everybody gets a tax cut now. Ironically, my taxes may increase slightly. This is very frustrating, but it's because I, I do well enough. For some reason, Shapiro keeps paying me. And I live in La La Land, where the marginal state and local tax rates are approximately 750%. So lefties have been saying that the tax plan is unpopular. CNN breathlessly reports, quote, Public opposition to tax bill grows as vote approaches. In another article, also on CNN, of course, only 29% of Americans approve of the GOP tax plan. Now, what they forget to mention is that an even lower percentage of Americans supported Ronald Reagan's 1986 tax plan, which led to an uninterrupted quarter century of prosperity. They, they uh, supported it. Fewer people supported it before that was passed. I wonder why that is. I wonder why it just doesn't add up. When all Americans have to go on is mainstream media reporting, they oppose Republican tax reforms. But then when the reforms become reality, the people like them because it made them richer. It's, and I don't want to go too far here, it's, it's almost like saying there's a difference between the mainstream media reporting and reality, and, and further, that that difference is intended to damage Republicans. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just spitballing. That's just what it seems like to me. I don't know. So enough about the fake news. What is really in the plan? 
Well, most importantly, basically everybody gets a tax cut. Virtually everybody. I might even get a tax cut depending on how things shake out. The final version of the plan maintains seven individual income brackets instead of the four as the House proposed, instead of consolidating it to four. And it lowers the rate slightly, so the top rate falls from 39.6% to 37%. All of the rates basically fall. Uh, it's too bad. It would be better if we could consolidate these tax brackets. But c'est la vie. Uh, it, everybody's basically getting a tax cut anyway. It just doesn't make it quite as simple as we had been promised by consolidating the brackets. Uh, it, the, the final bill scraps the personal exemption, but it just about doubles the standard deduction. That's fine, that comes out in the wash. It repeals the Obamacare mandate, very, very good. The Republicans had trouble repealing Obamacare on their own. There was too much squishiness in the House and in the Senate. The President Trump pushed for it, but it didn't quite come out, so that's fine. We'll repeal the Obamacare mandate in the tax bill. This is really good. This will almost necessarily lead to major reform, if not outright repeal of Obamacare, because we've now removed the funding mechanism for it. Excellent, excellent news. And also, this is a matter of personal liberty, an important matter of liberty. That Obamacare mandate is the first time in American history the federal government has said that every single citizen has to purchase a product from a private company or there will be a penalty or a tax or a penalty tax or whatever you want to call it to get this thing through a judicial review. Now that's over. This is very good news for American liberty, very good news for returning to a constitutional framework for our country. Now, the final bill doesn't eliminate the death tax. That's too bad. But it does double the exemption to it. So I think now it's around $12 million or exempt before you have to pay the death tax. We should get rid of the whole thing. All of that wealth has already been taxed at the income, the corporate level, the capital gains level, wherever. We don't need to tax you for dying. That's a stupid idea. But okay, that's fine. Doubles the exemption. Very good. Child tax credit doubles to $2,000 per child. This is also not a great idea, but I understand these people are uh, working in the Senate. They have to go back to their constituents. They want a little insurance if this is painted by the Democrats as just a big tax break to the rich. Very easy for me to talk into a microphone, harder to face your constituents. Fine, who cares? It limits state and local tax deductions. Bad for me, good for the country. So in the final bill, it allows a deduction of up to $10,000 in state and local sales, income, and property taxes. Previously, it was basically unlimited. Uh, this is very good for the country because it, it, under the current tax regime, there is no incentive for state and local governments to lower their taxes because it just comes out of the federal government. It's basically a federal subsidy for high state and local taxes. That's not good. What, what this does is slowly take away that perverse incentive. So hopefully over time, la la land, my state of California will get its act together and stop taxing us into oblivion. The final bill uh, maintains the mortgage interest deduction for existing homeowners. This was a big demagogic aspect of tax reform. They said if you're going to lose the mortgage interest deduction, it's going to kill homeowners. They've allowed it to remain whatever, not a big deal. Going forward, uh, for people who are now buying homes, they can still deduct interest on up to $750,000 in mortgage debt that's down for $1 million. This is not a huge deal. Basically maintains the status quo, although it's a little bit better, I guess. So it's a step in the right direction. Uh, tax breaks for charitable contributions and retirement savings plans remain. We were told that would go away. Again, bad for simplifying taxes, but probably good incentives all in all. I would much rather give my money to charities that do what I want them to do, that are, are doing the good as I see the good, then give it to the federal government 
regardless of what they're doing, just to waste, because there's so, so much waste and inefficiency. Uh, the final bill maintains medical expenses deduction. We were told, we're constantly harping on how people with chronic illnesses would be bankrupted by this. Didn't happen, not surprised at all. This does not tax graduate student tuition as income. So that was one thing we were promised, is it was gonna put all of these little graduate students protesting, you know, uh, when they're on lunch break from their gender studies class to protest President Trump or whatever thing they know nothing about. It was going to tax them into oblivion, which I think is pretty good. I'm, basically, what we have done so far is to uh, 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 subsidize a very bad university system in this country and that's no good uh whatever it's it's out in the wash they're not they're not going to make that into the uh, final bill fine i guess i was hoping we could uh, maybe try to fix the universities and the crisis of higher education in the country through this tax bill but that might just be too difficult sad uh now there's no change to the student loan interest deduction uh there's no change to education credits there's no change to the graduate student taxation. There's no change to classroom expenses deduction. There's no change to capital gains taxation. On the individual level, this tax plan is fine. C'est la vie. But what this tax reform really focuses on is business. So the chief business of the American people is business. That means the deduction for pass-through income remains. The corporate tax rates drop hugely, hugely, bigly, from 35% to 21%. Very, very good. Even Democrats have gotten on board with this before it was President Trump doing it, and now they all hate it. It eliminates the corporate alternative minimum tax. Very good. The, the alternative minimum tax is what happens where, because of the tax code, if in one year the uh, U.S. business has major losses or something, or they're writing off losses, uh, they have to pay a certain amount of tax. That's a terrible idea. We should have an alternative maximum tax. Uh, but that's very nice that we're getting rid of it. U.S. businesses holding assets overseas will now be allowed to repatriate that money at 8% or 15.5% for liquid assets. This is incredible. Currently, U.S. businesses have $2.5 trillion overseas because the U.S. had the highest marginal and effective corporate tax rate in the world, practically. Now, uh, we could bring that money back. It would be a huge boon for the economy, and all of the incentives are there to do it. This is pretty different from the last administration. Let's flash back to Barack Obama's attitude toward business. If you've been successful, you, don't, you didn't get there on your own. You, you didn't get there on your own. I, I'm always struck by people who think, well, it must be because I was just so smart. There are a lot of smart people out there. It must be because I worked harder than everybody else. Let me tell you something. There are a whole bunch of hardworking people out there. If you were successful, somebody along the line gave you some help. There was a great teacher somewhere in your life. Somebody helped to create this unbelievable American system that we had that allowed you to thrive. Somebody invested in roads and bridges. If you got a business, that you didn't build that. Somebody else made that happen. Didn't you know? Didn't you know if you have a business, you didn't build that. Somebody else made that happen. I didn't know that, but that's the major shift. All in all, this simplifies the tax code. So right now, taxpayers spend nearly 7 billion hours just to comply with the current tax code, an amount of time which is worth 230 or $263 billion. 30% of people filing their taxes itemize them, so they break down the little things they're going to deduct. That it creates mountains of paperwork.
with this now higher standard deduction, that number of people who itemize their taxes will drop to under 8% by most analysis, 30% to 8%. That's gonna save a lot of time. More than 30 million taxpayers will save time. The National Taxpayers Union Foundation estimates that the drop in itemizing alone, just, just that, will save 210 million hours in compliance burdens. That's a savings of $13 billion annually. This is a big, big win. Sadly, it could be a way bigger win on individual taxation, but all in all, great stuff. I'm not going to complain. This is really, really good stuff all around, despite the constant negative press. Kofefe. Okay, we've got to talk about cultural death. But before we get to cultural death, let's, let's talk about the thing that resembles death, but it isn't death because you get to wake up in the morning. That would be sleep. Now, sleep is very, very important. As you can tell, I haven't slept in days because I flew back to New York over the weekend, and... Uh, I've moved around a bit. I moved from New York up to Connecticut and then back to New York over to LA. Every time I move, I get a new mattress. Mattress shopping is truly awful. It is really, really terrible. Um, there are a ton of online mattress retailers popping up these days. They all offer a one-size-fits-all solution to a better sleep. So I would always go into the stores to get a mattress. That experience is dreadful. Uh, if you look online, they, they just have this one size fits all. But guess what? One size doesn't fit all. Helix Sleep offers something that does not exist anywhere else. It is a mattress personalized to your unique preferences and sleeping style that will not set you back thousands of dollars. So what do you do? Go to helixsleep.com slash Knowles. K-N-O-W-L-E-S, take their simple two to three minute sleep quiz and they will build a custom mattress that will be the best thing that you've ever sleep, slept on. Now, two to three minutes, that is the maximum amount of time that I will do anything. That I, it's just, that's the maximum. I'm a millennial. I don't want to move. I want to sit at my computer and I have ADD. I can't focus on anything for more than three minutes. Luckily, it will not take a lot of time. For couples, they'll even personalize each side of the mattress. And that this is very important because for me and my fiance, sweet little Lisa, we have a particular sleep pattern. I prefer to sleep on a mattress that is hard and she prefers to sleep on a mattress that I am not on. So you can personalize it. It's very important because those are incompatible sleep references. Uh, everyone from GQ to Cosmopolitan to the New York Times are all talking about Helix. And once you try it out, you will know why. So your, your custom mattress arrives direct to your door in a week. Shipping is completely free. Try it for 100 nights. If you don't love it, they will pick it up and refund you in full. That's a pretty good deal. There is no risk whatsoever. Go to helixsleep.com slash Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S, like Beyonce, right now. You will get $50 towards your custom mattress. Merry Christmas. That's my Christmas gift to you. $50 toward a custom mattress. It's very important. Where you sleep is very important. You're going to spend a third of your life on it. I spend about two-thirds of my life sleeping. So make sure that it's good. HelixSleep.com slash Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S, for $50 off your first order. HelixSleep.com slash Knowles. Okay. Enough about sleep. We got to wake up. We got to wake up people to our terrible culture. So there's, uh, there's actually some good news and there's bad news on our cultural death, death and decay. Let's start with the bad news and then we'll end happy. Now, this is all around bad. You might have seen if you were tweeting yesterday, Twitter is further clamping down on free speech. Very bad. It's purging its platform of racists, only a specific kind of racist, probably stupid, but whatever. But it's only those specific racists that's very bad again. First of all, if we're going to purge Twitter users and purge Twitter of anything, how about we focus on, I don't know, ISIS? 
Maybe ISIS would be, that'd be nice. That'd be slightly more urgent than some dummies in their basement tweeting out articles about IQ as if that means anything to society or to culture. Now, I was blocked recently by a verified user. That's where you get the little blue check mark. His name is Kevin Allred. He's a professor of Beyonce studies. Uh, that's a thing. I'm not, this is not a joke. He's a professor of Beyonce studies. He tweeted, F white America. F white America, all around, a very anti-white things, and he's still around. They haven't purged any of the anti-white racists, of course. So the, uh, people who are uh, of other ethnic backgrounds, they get to say whatever they want about white people and there's no backlash. That isn't surprising. That part, I'm not surprised at all. The Twitter has this double standard. If Democrats didn't have double standards, they'd have no standards at all. What is surprising is that there is apparently no rhyme or reason even among the pro-white racists as to who stays and who goes. So they let uh, Richard Spencer, he's the famous one who has the fascist looking haircut and we got punched in the face on the street. They let him stay. They let David Duke stay. David Duke is one of the most virulent racists in the country. But they kicked off Jared Taylor. Jared Taylor is this guy. He basically comes off as Bill Buckley without the wit or wisdom. But he has this lockjaw accent. And he pronounces the word white as white. White. I'm, a, I'm an activist for the white people. And it, do, it, it really doesn't make a lot of sense. They're letting these other guys stay on, but not him. Now, if you're going to clamp down on racism, if Twitter's going to have a policy that it won't tolerate race-mongering, race-baiting language, it should apply that rule fairly to all racists of all varieties, all ages, and all races. Jared Taylor, perhaps unwittingly, puts this issue into stark relief. We are on completely opposite sides. On the contrary, I think really? in a way, in a way, we are mirror images in that you are fighting for your people, I'm fighting for mine. Mm -hmm. He's talking to Univision host Jorge Ramos, and he is exactly right. He is precisely right. They are mirror images. They're mirror images of one another. The, these race baiters on the left and these white race baiters on the right on the alt-right or whatever, they're mirror images. But that's not a good thing. I wouldn't go bragging about that. <laughs> I wouldn't write home and, and boast and say, ah, yes, I'm a mirror image of Jorge Ramos. If I looked in the mirror and I saw Jorge Ramos, I would smash the mirror. I would throw it out. That's a terrible <laughs> idea. But they are. They have the same premises. This is why the, the alternative right is in many ways much more like the left. They have a lot of premises, and uh, a lot of them are... Uh, ground themselves in post-Christianity. Racism is very stupid. It's very stupid. I know it seems sort of uh, edgy right now, and it seems taboo because Twitter is banning uh, white racists, but it, nevertheless, it's very, very stupid. Richard Spencer wrote in his alt-right manifesto, quote, race is real, race matters, race is the foundation of identity. Now, race is real, I guess that's true. Race matters, maybe. I, that's, certainly, that's less true. And race is the foundation of identity. That isn't true at all. That is not true at all. Uh, people might think that. Uh, uh, that's the sort of thing that uh, adolescents think. You remember in high school when you're like 13 or 14, you try on all of these personalities. So you try, you paint your nails black and you're really gothic. And then you're a skateboarder and then you're wearing popped polo shirts or whatever. You try on various identities. That's what, that's what children do. But there is an answer to this. And in the West, there's an answer. And it's explicitly not race. For everybody, that's true, but especially for the West. Because in the West, we ground our identity in 
Christianity, in Christianity, they give us the exact answer, the, the animating force of the West. And that answer is, we see it in Moses when he talks to God. Moses says, who are you? And God says, I am that I am. And we see it when Christ is speaking to the Pharisees. They, they, the Pharisees say, you're not even 50 years old. How could you possibly be older than our father Abraham? And Christ says, before Abraham was, I am. When you lose your grounding of identity, when you disconnect it from the I am, the essence, the metaphysical, the divine logos from the I am, then you're left with a pathetic question, which is who am I? And you try on all of these stupid ideas. So I could say, what am I? Am I essentially a conservative? Am I essentially Italian, Amerimit of Italian descent? Am I essentially a mathematician? Am I essentially a this or a that? Am I essentially a hula hoop dancer? Uh, no, all of those are trivial. They're ancillary. The uh, question of race is just like that. Unfortunately, these guys like Taylor and Richard Spencer and David Duke, they never got past that age, that adolescence. They never matured into adulthood to answer that question as a serious person does, which is the, the, the essence of my identity has to be greater. It has to be transcendent. It can't be a trivial and physical aspect of, of my own body or my own being. Now, on the bright side of culture, there is a glimmer of hope here. We have Stefano Gabbana of Dolce & Gabbana. So Gabbana recently said in an interview, basically just this. He was doing an interview with the Italian newspaper, the Corriere della de Sera, and he said, the family is not a fad. In it, there is a supernatural sense of belonging. I'm just surprised at how still to this day, people call me gay. He, he is a gay guy. He's in relationships with men. But why, he says, in reality, I am a man. Gay in reality, I am a man. The word gay is just a word, an invented word that is used to identify people. But I don't want to be identified or classified based on my sexual choice. Homosexuality has always existed. It's not new. I'm not gay. I'm a man. That's it. Uh, Blaise Pascal said similar things, by the way. He, he wrote in his Pensee in the Thoughts of Pascal, one, one of the great geniuses of the modern era. He said, no man should be known by his book, which is pretty bad because I do get known by that blank book sometimes. Uh, no man should be known by what he writes. They shouldn't say you're a mathematician or you're a this or you're a that. Be only be a gentleman. Be known as a gentleman. This is more encompassing. Only be, be known ultimately by that which is totally transcendent and infinite and all-encompassing, the I am, rather than these stupid little categories that, that try to take what is a, a great thing, mankind, and fit him into a little box which is... Uh, ideological and, and stupid. Gabbana understands all of these little ancillary identifiers are trivial. They're insufficient. Uh, really good stuff. That's, a, that's a, an excellent mark for those Italian fashion designers. Gotta love those Italian conservatives. They have a good, a good sense of the world. And now, let's move on to this day in history. Before we move on, unfortunately, oh, this is bad news because we have such a good this day in history today. This day in history is when Bill Clinton was impeached. It's gonna, this leftist tears tumbler is gonna fill to the brim as it did 20 years ago, 19 years ago. But if you're not on thedailywire.com right now, you can't see the whole rest of the show. If you're on Facebook or YouTube, you gotta go over to dailywire.com. Thank you for those who are already members. Helps us keep the lights on in here. If you're not already a member, sign up. It is $10 a month or $100 for an annual membership. What do you get? You get no ads on the website. You get me, you get the Andrew Klavan show, you get the Ben Shapiro show, blah, blah, blah. There it is. This day in history, 19 years ago, uh, 
uh, Bill Clinton was impeached by the House of Representatives for being a dirty, rotten, lying sexual deviant. <laughs> so if you want to be able to celebrate that and not drown in all the lefty tears, especially now that the Clintons are totally dead politically, you have to go to thedailywire.com. You can have those leftist tears, hot or cold, always salty and delicious. Dailywire.com right now. We'll be right back. Are we ready now, Marshall? Can I do it now? Can we get into Bubba now? Yeah, we can do it. We can do it? Okay, it's time for This Day in History. This Day in History. Oh, what a great day. I remember I was just a wee little lad on This Day in History in 1998, but Bill Clinton was impeached for lying under oath to a federal grand jury and obstructing justice. Let's roll the clip. House Resolution 614 resolved that Mr. Hyde, Mr. Sensenbrenner, Mr. McCollum, Mr. Geekus, Mr. Kennedy, Mr. Booyer, Mr. Bryant, Mr. Shabbat, Mr. Barr, Mr. Hutchinson, Mr. Cannon, Mr. Rogan, and Mr. Graham are appointed managers to conduct the impeachment trial against William Jefferson Clinton. On this vote, the yeas are 228, the nays are 206. Article 1 is adopted. Sad. Sad for Bill. Now, why was he impeached? I did not have sexual relations with that woman. These allegations are false. But then, about five minutes later, he admitted this. Indeed, I did have a relationship with Ms. Lewinsky that was not appropriate. In fact, it was wrong. It constituted a critical lapse in judgment and a personal failure on my part for which I am solely and completely responsible. I misled people, including even my wife. I deeply regret that. Well, that was quite a change. Now, how could Bill Clinton make both of those statements with a straight face? It's because he's also the guy who said this. Knew of your relationship with Ms. Lewinsky. The statement that there was no sex of any kind in any manner, shape or form with President Clinton was an utterly false statement. Is that correct? It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Yes. It depends on what the meaning of the word is. Is, huh? Get it? Uh, when he, <laughs> it's unbelievable to watch that. When he's referring to is when he told his aides, there's nothing going on with Monica Lewinsky. Now, he was following the classic mob advice of deny till you die, so Bubba explained himself. He said, if is means is and never has been, that is, not, that is one thing. If it means there is none, that was a completely true statement. Uh. Now, if someone had asked me on that day, are you having any kind of sexual relations with Ms. Lewinsky? That is, asked me a question in the present tense, I would have said no. And it would have been completely true. Uh. Completely, completely true, he says. Completely true. Slick Willie Clinton. So he got impeached. Clinton was the second president in American history to be impeached. Four charges were considered. There was perjury obstruction of justice, a second perjury, and abuse of power. The first two passed. The House decided not to pursue the second two. So he lied about a year and a half long sexual affair with Monica Lewinsky, a 21-year-old intern who uh, 
when he was 49 and 50 years old. So Democrats tried to play it off as some little fling. Clinton's associates and his wife and campaign managers smeared the women as bimbos and trailer trash. But remember, this isn't some fling. We're talking about the president of the United States and his employee who is 28 years younger, certainly young enough to be his daughter. Consider for a moment the performed anger right now that we're seeing from Democrats at Roger Ailes, Bill O'Reilly, even Matt Lauer, Charlie Rose, on and on and on. What they did doesn't hold a candle to what Bill Clinton did. All of those guys doesn't hold a candle to what Bill Clinton did. Among the more lurid findings of the investigation against him are Bill Clinton's creative use of a cigar on the lowest level staff member in his employ. Sometimes a cigar is just a cigar, but not for Bill Clinton. And of course, Lewinsky wasn't the only accuser. Even at the time of the Lewinsky affair, former Arkansas state employee Paula Jones was suing Clinton for sexual harassment, including his exposing little Bubba to her in 1991, uninvited. Former White House aide Kathleen Willey accused Clinton of groping her without consent in 1993. Imagine, imagine then, we just saw this Franken fake resignation, but at least he had to go through it. Imagine that in 1993. Clinton admitted an extramarital affair with Jennifer Flowers. He's had very variously documented extramarital affairs with countless other women. And Juanita Broderick, then a nursing home aide, claimed Clinton raped her so viciously that he made her bleed. Nevertheless, Clinton was acquitted, ostensibly because Democrats concluded that I did not have sexual relations with that woman really meant, yes, I did have sexual relations with that woman. You know, I mean, I, mean, I, I understand how you could get confused. Now, it was a party-line vote, basically, for Democrats, who were joined by a handful of squishy Republicans, including Susan Collins, Orland Specter, and Olympia Snow. We can draw a few lessons from this affair. First of all, Republicans should not squish. Stop squishing. The Democrats don't squish. They don't do it. There was a party-line vote. Republicans shouldn't do it either. There's no reward for doing it. Do, do we look back with pride on the legacy of Olympia Snow? We look back, there's going to be a big statue to Olympia Snow. How about Arlen Specter? No, I don't think so. Go big or go home. Winston Churchill explained why he would continue to fly after his third plane crash, a nearly fatal plane crash. They said, aren't you going to stop? Why are you doing this? You should stop flying. He says, I love life, but I do not fear death. Me too. Speaking of Me Too, only now that the Clintons are no longer politically useful to Democrats is the party willing to raise a ruckus over sexual assault. Convenient timing, very cynical timing. That's another takeaway, the cynicism. Democrat politics are always, at all times, cynical. The party of slavery, of the KKK, of urban destruction, of appeasement, of disloyalty and division. Very cynical party. Don't believe them. Some pearl-clutching Republicans think we should be wise as doves and innocent as serpents. That will not turn out very well for us. We have to be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. FBI agents last year texted about an insurance policy in case Trump won. They had that conversation in the office of the director of the FBI. Democrats have called for impeachment since last November simply because they don't like this president and they really don't like how effective he has been. This investigation about Russian collusion may have been started just to stop Trump from getting elected. That's what a lot of evidence shows now. Republicans better not let themselves get played for fools. Okay, I always love when history relates to the present. It's always nice when we can learn some very important lessons from that. Okay, that's our show today. Uh, tune in tomorrow. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Get all of your mailbag questions in for Thursday. We'll see you then. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Marshall Benson. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Senior producer, Jonathan Hay. Supervising producer, Mathis Glover. 
Our technical producer is Austin Stevens, edited by Alex Zingaro. Audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is by Jesua Olvera. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire Forward Publishing production. Copyright Forward Publishing 2017.